Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Hello, Johnny. Hello, my love. Hello, everyone. So we're done with Paradise Lost, huh? Yes. I can't believe it. <laughs> Finally, or? Well, tragically, tragically. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are you going to do with yourself now, huh? Uh, I guess I'll sit around and pine and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Reminisce. Yes. Or we can talk about it. <laughs> or find like. or find Paradise Lost in every single thing. In everything do, we all find day around long. us. And with every every person we talk to, uh-huh. relate everything that happens to Paradise Lost. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll be continuing to do that because I'm Today. going to be actually writing the book. That's right. That's putting right. the book together on yeah. Paradise Lost. Exactly. So. And it, it would be a good study guide for churches, I think. I think so. Mm-hmm. And Guess what? Today's episode is going to be kind of like Paradise Lost again. Right. So we're picking up <laughs> on a lot of the themes that Paradise Lost introduced to us, but in a different work. Right, right. First of all, this past Monday, you had a guest speaker on The Christian Atheist. So today's talk isn't going to have to do with what you talked about on Monday. It right. Was, so it was Raymond Mahalan. Raymond's he, discussion on the nature of joy. Right. What is joy? Right. So um, so now we're going to do something else. A while ago, we read George MacDonald's The Day Boy and the Night Girl, the romance of Photogen and Nick Terrace. Right. It wasn't on the recommendation of C.S. Lewis, although George MacDonald was on the recommendation of right. C.S. Lewis. Right. But yeah, it was, I guess it was about six months ago we read it for the first time. Mm-hmm. We read it. And we both liked it quite a bit. Right. And then we put it aside, and then recently you decided to read, pull it out, read it for the Simple Gifts part of our podcast. You, you read it for future episodes, and that caused us to see parallels between this and Paradise Lost. Right. So we thought it would be a nice sort of closeout yeah. to our Paradise Lost discussions. Right. As a transition. And as we looked at it further and farther, it took on a whole lot of value in its own right. Yeah, exactly. So... Let's start with some of the background information on the book, okay? Sure. Um, the Day Boy and the Night Girl, the romance of Photogen and Nick Terrace, as we said. It was written by George MacDonald, who is a Scottish author, poet, Christian congregational minister. Theologian, yeah. Yeah. Lewis called him his master. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of like the pioneer of modern fantasy literature, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember, he, if any of you have listened to C.S. Lewis's Surprised by Joy, yeah. C.S. Lewis almost makes the point that one of the turning points in his life was when he found George MacDonald's Fantasties and read it for the first time. And also, he talks about George MacDonald in um, The Great Divorce. Yes. That's when you were just talking about. Right. So the book was published in 1882, but it actually appeared in a series for young people. It was called Harper's Young People. It was like a magazine, and it appeared, I think it was December of 1879 through January of 1880. Right. So serials were quite frequent in the 19th century. A lot of Dickens' work were published as serials. So they would come out weekly in like newspapers. People would read them and get excited about them and want to follow the story. This book is definitely in what feels like a series. Yeah, there's a whole collection of yeah. chapters, very right. short chapters. Right, and this was for young people. It right. wasn't, you know, it wasn't really for adults. But then in 1882, it was published as a novel. Okay, and it's a fairy tale, and there's a lot to discover in the story, and we don't have time to talk about it all. No, it would be many weeks worth of discussion, mm-hmm. even though there's probably you know, like an hour and a half of. Yeah. Reading material. Yeah, yeah, and that's it, all it is. Very it loaded up with symbolism and things. Yeah, it doesn't take very long to read. Mm-mm. No. So um, maybe what we should do is try to explain the plot. Okay. Okay, and um, we'll try to do as shortly as possible. It begins with a witch named Watho, and she W-A-T-H-O. does. W a t h o. Yeah, and she does an experiment where she wants to mold two people from birth by controlling their environments. And these two people are going to be eventually Photogen and Nick Terrace, the ones that we mentioned in the title. Photogen grows up exposed only to the day while, I mean, this is very basic. Right, he's a boy. <laughs> and, right. And Nick Terrace grows up exposed only to the night. And she's a girl. Right. <laughs> and eventually. <laughs> and you notice that we used the proper pronouns there. <laughs> Get us canceled. Yes. Yeah, so boy, girl, he, her. 
those are the only pronouns that we recognize here at the Christian Atheist. Exactly. <laughs> Eventually, Nick Terrace, who doesn't realize she's a prisoner of like a dark tomb-like chambers of the castle, finds her way outside to the night outside. And to make a long story short, she meets Photogen, who we find out is absolutely terror-filled over the night. She takes care of him, but when the day comes and he's strong again, she becomes weakened by the, the blinding sun. Right. I mean, I don't want to tell too much because we don't want to spoil it for anybody, but their relationship grows until they realize what the witch is doing, and then they leave together, and I'll leave the rest to everybody to read or to listen to. Well, probably in the process as we work our way through this, mm -hmm. we'll boil all of I was going to say, we might spoil some of it. But that's okay. It's mm -hmm. not the type of story that if it's spoiled, it's it still loses rich. its value. Yeah, it's still There's rich. There's a lot of richness in this right. story. So the names, let's start with their names. The names have significance in this story, right? Right. So photogen, what does photogen mean? Photogen means it's, it's from the Greek, light bringer or mm -hmm. light creator. Yeah, and Nycteris? Nycteris is also Greek, and it's not as clear as like photogen. Yeah. We know that the nyct part, N-Y-C-T, yeah. is the Greek for night. Mm -hmm. Exactly what is conveyed beyond that, I'm not real sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's the night something. So the, the name, the day boy and the night girl, is probably as close as we really get to the names, the meaning of the names. Right. And then there's two other characters, Aurora and Vesper. They don't come in very much, but Aurora is Photogen's mother. Right. And, and Aurora means... The dawn. Yeah. And Vesper is Nycteris's mother, and that means... Night or, right. or evening. Right. Yes. Vespers in the Catholic tradition mm -hmm. was the evening set of prayers that the church would go about. Right. And then mm. Watho, that's right. the witch. And in many ways, I think the name Watho is the most evocative in terms of its meaning. Because Watho means law or mm -hmm. rule, and in that sense, to order or to command. Yeah. And that is very evocative of the nature of the witch Watho, who is trying to command nature itself, to create an alternative reality, in many ways almost reminiscent of a lot of the things that are going on in our culture yeah. today that we can talk about as we move forward. Okay. So we're going to talk about the themes and connections to Paradise Lost. We'll probably end with that connection because there's so many things that we ended up drawing from it. It we was started out endless. Yeah, we started out by talking about the connections, and then when there was it opened up to so many other things. Right. So first of all, Tolkien said that George MacDonald was most inspired by the theme of death and life. And that's certainly reflected here. Yeah, and, and life and death is like a theme within this story, huh? Big time. Yeah, in the beginning of the story, we find out that the witch, Watho, creates an experiment, as I said before, where she wants to raise two children in opposite environments. And so she finds two pregnant women to bring into her castle. That would be their mothers. Aurora. Aurora and, and Vesper. And Vesper, yeah. The experiment can sort of be likened to like the typical elementary school experiment where you take two plants and one you place in the sun and water and the other you place in a dark closet. Remember that when you yeah. were a kid? Yeah. And then you discover what happens. That's, right. I what guess happens that's kind between of, the two of them. I guess that's a simplified way of explaining her experiment, right? I don't know if this is the appropriate time to raise it, mm -hmm. but it does remind us of other issues like this in the 19th century. Like mm -hmm. the novel by Mary Shelley, Frankenstein. Yeah, yes, that's right. And the idea that science can go awry, mm -hmm. right? And this is one of the themes that we think picks up from Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. Because when the angel was talking to Adam about yeah. the nature of the search for knowledge, mm -hmm. he said that searching for knowledge is a good thing. Yeah. But that we have to be careful to choose the correct means and not to transgress the boundaries that God put in place. Right. And Watho is a witch, precisely because she violates both of those things. Hey, right. So Watho represents the search for knowledge by forbidden means. Yeah. yeah. And she cares for knowing, not, not the thing in itself, right? Right. It actually says that her name was Watho, and she had a wolf in her mind. She cared for nothing in itself only for knowing it. Right. And that's that placing of knowledge above all else, above relationship. And that's one of the great dangers that I make the point we fell into mm -hmm. 
in the early modern era when the Enlightenment and the scientific method began to develop. Not all science did this, but it was a tendency to which science was almost naturally disposed if it's not properly balanced. Right. So the wolf made her cruel, right? The story says. So what what do you think the wolf represents then? Yeah, she said, this is difficult because it says she was not naturally cruel. Yeah. So she was a human being, Mm -hmm. a normal human being. Right. But it says the wolf made her cruel. Right. So is that a form of possession or is it the sin nature? Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what to say about that because by the end of the story, she turns into the, the wolf, wolf physically. Yeah, she so she makes a physical wolf. transformation, mm-hmm. almost an incarnation of the wolf itself. And so yeah. the evil comes out. And at that time, when George MacDonald wrote, there was always wolves in fairy tales. What right. do they represent usually? Yes. And the wolf always represented the natural element that was a danger to to humanity right. and the, the human structure of reality. So mm-hmm. it's the natural element that is a danger. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know that the wolf is considered to be evil, although... It kind of reminds well, me of Weston in the Space Trilogy. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and I think that's a pretty good analogy yeah. because Watho comes across as a human person and yet is twisted and yeah. in a way possessed. Yeah, allows, And that's very much like Weston. Allows it to take over. Right. Yeah. And I mean, as far as a character in The Day Boy and the Night Girl, yeah. Watho would certainly be the Satan character in comparison to Paradise Lost. Yeah. So she's the closest thing to Satan there. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm, she's it, not it, an exact parallel. Another interesting point on that wolf being inside of her that eventually takes over in an earlier draft, McDonald actually has Watho slitting open a pregnant woman right. so that she can peer at the workings of the embryo. Right, and life and death itself. Right, yeah, yeah, she meddles with life and death. So, Which really brings to mind that idea of yeah. Frankenstein, the right. idea yeah. of creating life and but the nature of life and death itself. It's like that curiosity without boundaries is like a wolf. You yeah, know that's I mean? interesting. Inside of her, I wonder. Right. And it starts to just grow. Okay, so the mother, Aurora, she's all life and sunshine. And Vesper is is all death and darkness. And, right. and Vesper is even blind. Right, important and, point. And, and she um, eventually dies. Right. Vesper has lost her sight when she comes to Watho. Yeah. And Watho houses her in the part of her castle that is almost naturally it's not even open to light at any right, place. Right. And in fact, they make the point that it's like a tomb, like a pharaoh's right. pyramid. So she doesn't even know that she's in darkness because she's already in darkness right. from her blindness. Okay, so the children that are born, Photogen and Nycteris, and there's quite a distinction between them, huh? Apart from the obvious that they're boy versus girl, the boy is blonde as sunshine, the girl is dark as night and yeah, pale right. and skin. Right. And what are the other differences that are not so obvious? Well, one of the things that the story makes a very big point to express is that Photogen has extremely dark eyes. That is the dark eyes of Vesper. Mm -hmm. And Nycteris has the dark blue eyes, the beautiful blue eyes of Aurora. Mm -hmm. And I find that very evocative because it's almost presenting to us a picture of the yin and the yang. Right. And I think that is one of the most clear pictures given to us by this story. I don't even know if George MacDonald would have been aware of the yin-yang, but he was certainly aware of the balance of forces, Mm -hmm. male versus female. And I don't mean versus, I mean complementary forces back and forth. Right. And he seems to be making the case that even though Watho isolated these two, there was a balance between them. Right. And there was some of Nycteris in Photogen and some of Photogen in Nycteris. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the case of male and female as the balance as God has created things to be, which is very clear mm-hmm. in Paradise Lost. One of the central themes, I would argue. And also, the eye is the light of the body. Mm-hmm. And so Photogen's eyes are, even though he's awful of knowledge, he doesn't see everything. Right. While her eyes 
She does see. She sees a lot more. Right. She's very sensitive yeah. to the world. And yeah. that is something that psychologically is the case, too. Mm -hmm. If we study the nature of psychology, women are more neurotic. And we don't mean by that the bad thing. Yeah. It's that they're more sensitive to negative emotion. And boy, is that true in our relationship. Mm -hmm. The things that I'll kind of sail through rather blasé, you'll be able to point out the pitfalls to me in advance. And if I'm stupid enough not to listen to you, almost inevitably, we end up falling into those pitfalls. But if I listen to you, we're able to find them, see them, and overcome them because we can prepare for them. So there is a balance between the two. Photogen has this sense of rushing in where angels fear to tread. Mm -hmm. And Nycteris is much more careful, measured, anchored to reality mm -hmm. in a way that Photogen needs her to be. And he doesn't even recognize that in himself until they get together, find out. And there's that balance of the yin and the yang between mm -hmm. the two of them. Which brings us to the distinction between like wisdom and knowledge. And the Greeks had a very clear distinction between these two. Knowledge, there were several words in Greek to represent knowledge, episteme or gnosis. And wisdom was Sophia. Yeah. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to the world and make it work for us. That is to produce a better world, to produce a better life. Wisdom is very practical. Gnosis, knowledge, episteme, is more abstruse, more conceptual. And that tends to be the realm of knowledge that men deal with. And this is what, interestingly, Watho was interested in. Yeah. She identified more as a male in the language that we use today. Yeah. She was interested in knowing things, mm -hmm. but not interested in things in themselves. Right. And women, as a rule, are far more interested in the relationships among things and amongst people yeah. than men are. Men are interested in things. Women are interested in people and relations. And so this relationship between the male and the female is one of the conceptual anchors of this whole story. Right, right. And it's interesting to me that Watho is violating her femininity mm -hmm. as a woman who is interested more in knowledge in the male way than right. in the female way. Right. That's it. That is interesting. So I would tend to identify wisdom with Nycteris and knowledge with Photogen. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I agree with wisdom with Nycteris. Because when you think of wisdom, I mean it's it's having experience, which she doesn't have any experience. Knowledge, which she doesn't have Right, she does not Watho, have knowledge. Watho doesn't they give her specifically yeah, make that point. and also doesn't give her experience either. Right. I mean, just and even good judgment, you know, and she doesn't really have good judgment. I mean, she wanders off when she knows she's not supposed to be leaving, you know, the castle. So I think while Photogen has all the knowledge and Nycteris is ignorant, she has something else. Like it's not wisdom. It's it's like something that needs to go along with knowledge. Okay. In order to is... in order to make you complete. Like to actually make you wise. Yes. And so she has like an understanding or a patience or like an emotional knowledge. Yes, he I has, agree. He has like knowledge, but she has like an emotional knowledge. That doesn't mean that she's wise because I don't think wise. Well, then. Photogen has spent all his time out there experiencing everything while she spent all her time inside her mind understanding. And so together they make wisdom. Right. Together, they do. Right. However, having taught intro to philosophy mm -hmm. like millions of times and played yeah. with these terms a lot, yeah. philosophy means love of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways in which we love wisdom is that we think clearly about things. Mm -hmm. And Photogen does not think clearly about things. He experiences things at the level of their immediate thinginess, mm -hmm. <laughs> whereas Nycteris thinks about them and but reasons from principles yeah. that she knows okay. to principles that she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And she does this consistently throughout the entire story. I mean, it is astounding yeah. to me to watch her reason, start with reasoning about the lamp in her room mm -hmm. and then going outside and seeing the moon and reasoning that that's the lamp of this room, this new room, this larger right. room, this space. Right. And then 
taking that and saying, oh, eventually realizing that this smaller lamp is a version of an even greater well, that's lamp. That's what I'm trying to say. And that that points even beyond that. Right. And that wisdom is that that, is that search um, for knowledge that our experience, however limited it may be, mm-hmm. yields us. Right? She follows the logic. Photogen doesn't. Yeah. Not in the way that Nycteris does. Nycteris reasons in a way that Photogen, at least as McDonald paints him, almost when, never does. When she gets out in the sun, she doesn't reason like that anymore. She does. Does she? Oh, yeah. Very profound. So. Because remember, when she's out looking at the daisy underneath yeah, her hair, was, yeah. she looks at that daisy, and at first she thinks, oh, no, the sun has killed it. Okay. And then she starts to think, well, wait a second. She does this questioning thing, which is the very essence of philosophical reasoning, the love of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And she says, wait a second. It looks like actually the sun has opened it up and made it more perfect. And then she says, in a lot of ways, what it's done is it's reflecting the sun itself, this greater light. And it says, so now it's even more perfect than it was when I saw it closed in the darkness. And she does this over and over again throughout the story. She She moves from the little things that she knows to the things that she doesn't know, applies it, oftentimes gets it a little bit wrong. That's what I'm saying. But it moves her in the right direction. But but she's incomplete, though. Incomplete, for sure. Yeah, so... If to be wise, she would have to be complete. Yeah. But and that's is, what I'm saying. She has like a knowing and an understanding. Photogen has a knowledge. And together, then they are wise. Right. Together. Yes. But apart, they're not, I feel like. I think Photogen and Nick Terrace are absolutely complementary necessities. Yeah. But I do think Nick Terrace in this story represents far more finely the element of reason and rationality okay. in the process. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm saying I think that's how McDonald wrote it. Okay. That Nycteris is the sort of process of reasoning, whereas for Photogen, things just are what they are, not the relations. He learns the facts, just like Watho wanted to know the facts. But don't you need both of those? You do. For wisdom. Yes, and I think so. Without both of them, you don't have wisdom. But I think at some level, Nick Terrace shows that more on her own okay. than Photogen does. And in many ways, it seems to me, McDonald makes the point that Nick Terrace was the more complete of the two, but that she needed Photogen for strength, for clarity, for knowledge. But she brings the sort of dynamic, grounded, reasonable approach to the world that allows everything to work. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I know that that's the fact for you and me. Because you help me to stop living in what you call la-la land and come back to this world and reason properly about it. Yeah, but I don't think I'm wise without you. Okay. I mean, I there's a lot of there's a lot of unwisdom. Yeah, well, you say that on. too. Like you make you find yourself making silly mistakes and decisions. So there's and all something the rest. missing, right? So I would never say I am wise, right? And you would never say you're wise, right? But when we're together, but between the two of us, we yeah. certainly manage to do a much better yeah. job. I think you're missing some of the strengths of Photogen. Oh, there's an undoubted strength yeah. to Photogen. Yeah, but it's a very obvious, clear, yeah. like well-cut, and without distinct him, knowledge, yeah. as with, opposed to... without him, she cannot. She, she can't, can't function in the right. day. There's no way. Right. And without her, he can't function in the in night. In the night, right. But anyway... It's a definite so complementarity. You feel McDonald speaks of life or birth because it seems as though everything with Nycteris points to coming out of the womb. Right. So Nycteris is born. Mm -hmm. But in a very real sense, she's not born into life. She's almost born into a second womb. Right. right? It is this dark, tomb-like environment. Right. And in a lot of ways, the tomb and the womb Mm -hmm. are similar environments. Yeah, exactly. And so, of course, the tomb represents death, and the womb represents the beginnings of life. But there is that transition, as you said, who was it, Tolkien said Mm -hmm. about McDonald, is fascinated with life and death. 
there is that tie between life and death. And the Bible actually says that a seed must die before it lives, right? Before it's born. And I can't help but think that this is exactly the point that uh, McDonald was picking up on. She is born into a tomb and she must almost literally be born Born again again. in order to come out of that tomb. And don't you think while Nycteris is like coming to birth, Photogen is coming to death. He's in life and he's coming to death. He goes from sunshine and light and strength of days. Wow, that's good. I hadn't actually even thought of that. To eventually being caught at night and becoming weak. Yes. Frightened, paralyzed. Right. He has no experience of that. As if you're dying. Right. Right. So it's all almost of like, his life has been life, it's right, like the full right. fullness of it's life. It's almost as if he's heading towards the end of life. Yeah, he felt by invulnerable. Nighttime, by nighttime. And night like, killed him. Right, exactly. In a sense. And he recognized himself as inadequate so, to it, so, as losing life. So she, she starts out in a tomb and comes out into the light. He starts out in the light and the hours of darkness become... For her, she, the world expands. Yes. For him, the darkness becomes less room and almost yes. like his tomb. Yeah. And he lies there paralyzed. Absolutely. At nighttime. That's a really good point. Yeah. I can't yeah. So believe it's as often like, as I looked at this, I haven't it's caught almost, that. Yeah, it's almost like the opposite. It is. One's going towards death and one's going towards life. And there is one point in the mm-hmm. story towards the end when they're fleeing. Okay. You don't want me to go there. So, so yeah, you can see why Tolkien and others said that McDonald's themes are always life and death. Yes. They said, yeah. So you and I talked about the levels of um, reality indexing the higher level. Right. And it seems to me that this is another one of those fundamental themes uh-huh. that McDonald is picking up on, that we take what we know and what we know points beyond itself to another reality, a higher mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. This is so clear in Nick Terrace at so many different levels. And this is what we've talked about in The Christian Atheist over and over and right. over again, about how the world around us points to a transcendent reality so, that is beyond this one. So in this story, what are some of those? Well, to start with, Nick Terrace in the tomb, mm-hmm. that it is the only world she knows, She says that she looks into the light, and the light seems to speak of her of something beyond her immediate experience, Mm -hmm. of something that she desires, that the only way she can express it is more room. Right. So it seems as though her own experience points beyond the immediate room of her experience to something beyond that says it's more of something like this, like this. And there's that analogical reasoning. And this is why I find Nick Terrace so logical in McDonald's presentation. She takes the experience that she has and she says, this logically points beyond itself to something more, more room, more light. And so eventually when she gets outside of the room in which she lives, what she sees beyond she understands as right. a greater room like the room she lived in. Right, right. And there's an important term that she uses here, the term out. And I'm not sure if you're ready to go there, but the term out plays a huge role yeah. in this story. Because at some point, one of her keepers has mentioned the term going out, the lamp in her room going out. Mm-hmm. And she has no idea what that even means. Out? Out? What does out mean? Going out. She assumes that it means outside of the room so as to find more room, like the room that she has. And that's what she's desiring. But of course, the keeper was talking about the light going Going out, out, which means death. And so going out is, in a way, like dying. Mm -hmm. But it's dying to a new life. Because you're going out to new room, more life. And eventually, of course, Nick Terrace stumbles out of her room, out. Yep. And in a lot of ways, this out is painted by George MacDonald as another birth. Right. She falls out of the womb into the world outside and finds a whole new life out there. And that's what you were saying. Right. And so we see this constant level. And this is not the last time. It happens again and again like this in the story. 
that Nick Terrace finds a new reality that is reflected from the old reality that she knew. And she comes to understand it in those terms. So this notion of levels is something we also see in The Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis, which you pointed out. And you took us immediately to this passage, and I think it's incredibly relevant. And I cannot help but believe that C.S. Lewis, in writing Mm -hmm. this particular passage for The Silver Chair, was influenced by the day boy and the night girl. Especially since, I mean, he loved McDonald. Loved McDonald. Yeah. So Queen asks Rillian, right, the so silver the, the, chair. The green queen, the, the, the witch, the green yeah, witch. Yeah. She says, what is this sun that you speak of? Do you mean anything by the word? Yes, we jolly well do, said Scrub. Can you tell me what it's like, asked the witch. Thrum, thrum, thrum went the strings. <laughs> <laughs> Please it, your grace, said the prince very coldly and politely. You see that lamp. Is round and yellow and gives light to the whole room and hangeth moreover from this roof. Now that thing which we call the sun is like the lamp, only far greater and brighter. It giveth light to the whole overworld and hangeth in the sky. Hangeth from the what, my lord? asked the witch. And then, while they were all still thinking how to answer her, she added with another of her soft silver laughs, You see, when you try to think out clearly what the sun must be, you cannot tell me. You can only tell me it is like the lamp. Your sun is a dream, and there is nothing in that dream that was not copied from the lamp. The lamp is the real thing. The sun is but a tale, a children's story. And then it goes on. They they start to get entranced by her incense. And this, of course, is all traceable back to Plato's allegory of the cave. Right. And the idea that reasoning Mm -hmm. from what we know to what we don't know Mm -hmm. is illogical is one of the anchors of a lot of the atheism in today's world. They make fun of us Mm -hmm. for reasoning in this way. And yet, this is something that human reason requires of us. Mm -hmm. We want to know, we desire to know what is beyond this world. Right. Because everything points us beyond this world. And I think you were going to go previously to the end of the story where she realizes that the day and night are both equally beautiful. Yes. Were you going to quote? I wasn't going to go quite there, but yeah, oh, okay. that's important are you, too. Are you ready for that part? I'm not sure I don't remember exactly what we were talking about there. Well, I, I think you were going to go to the, her quote that when she says that when we go out, we shall not go into a day as much greater than your day as your day is greater than my night. Is right. that where you were going to go? I don't remember what we were talking okay. about right then. <laughs> But that's a very important thing. And it's what the whole story ends mm-hmm. with. And doesn't it sound very Narnian or Louisian? Yes, Louisian? It, it does. It sounds very much like something Yeah, it Lewis really does. Write. I could see that in one of the Narnian tales. Right. And this is almost identical mm-hmm. to what happens in the eternal state in the last battle. Yeah. Because Narnia itself becomes greater and greater. The farther you go into it, it becomes bigger and bigger. And that's the nature of Christianity Mm -hmm. in its conception of God. That's right. And our ongoing eternal adventure to discover him because he is eternal, endless. And the joy of studying and understanding God is an eternal enterprise, Mm -hmm. an eternal adventure. And going farther up and farther in is the joy of being a Christian, trying to understand the beauty, the majesty, the rationality of God himself. Yes. Yes. And I think that's exactly what's being pointed to here. And at this point, she's understanding life after death. Right, for sure. Mm, rather than knowledge, she shows she has a knowing or an understanding that complements right. Photogen's knowledge. Right, and this might mm-hmm. be the best way to understand the distinction between wisdom and knowledge, mm-hmm. because knowledge itself can be the part that can lead us to the whole that is wisdom, mm-hmm. that is all of those parts properly related to one another. And there's that relation of part to whole Mm -hmm. and that notion of relation that we talked about in Paradise Lost as being one of the fundamentals of God, the superlatives. And Watho, on the other hand, is trying to separate life and death. Right. Right. It's the analytic tradition in philosophy Mm -hmm. that I have such contempt for. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) That that tries to separate things out 
and make of each individual thing its own thing. Right. When everything is not an individual thing, it is what it is in relation mm -hmm. to everything else. Yeah, and she separated life and death out right. from the very start. Right. And male and female. Right. She separated light and darkness. Right. And she didn't realize that light and darkness and and male and female right. and, and the darkness and thing is something that is much more difficult, I think, to deal with in this story. Yeah. But night and day, which is night and day, well, is how we characterize we'll the two people talk here. About that is complementary, right? Exactly. It's whereas darkness and light are not right, and that's where I say she sort of reminds me of Weston mm -hmm. in the space trilogy. Yeah. Okay. And she becomes very. <laughs> I mean, Weston becomes almost this caricature of a human being and becomes an animal, animal. almost, exactly like happens, Watho does. Right, and that's what happens. You don't want to spoil it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what happens to Watho too. So an interesting note on the whole story is that as the reader goes into it, like as I did with the notion of this is a contrast between night and day, darkness and night, male, female, good and evil – you don't want to go into the story with that. It's not It's not at all like that. It's too simplistic a view, actually. Yeah, it's much yeah. more complex. Yeah, so just a hint for everyone who reads or listens to it or listens to you read it on Simple Gifts so that you can enjoy it from the very start. You want to go into it with the idea that it's a complement versus a negation. Right. Yeah, compl the complementarity mm -hmm. is absolutely central to yeah. understanding this yeah. story. Yeah. Because Watho darkness isn't evil. And light isn't good, right? Yeah. Well, well, light light essentially is good. I yeah. think I think the presentation there is pretty clear that light is yeah. good. Yeah. But that light can also create problems if we're not properly prepared right. for it. Right. Like Nycteris is not because she is inadequate without photogen. Right. Once she has photogen, she actually comes to love light, light. even right. more than the night, right. which she has also loved. And night is not night in the sense of darkness, as Watho would like to separate them out, mm -hmm. because night has its own light. Yeah, and, and she sees all the beauty in the night. Yes, and Nycteris is able to see yeah. much more clearly. In fact, it is the very subtle light of night that allows Nycteris the ability to see more clearly mm -hmm. in certain situations than photogen can. It is because she is extra sensitive to the light that I say she's more able to exercise wisdom at that level and then photogen. teach photogen the nature of reasoning about these things in a much more subtle and careful way than he is bound to do, Right. given his training in light only. Right, right. And that's kind of like how it connects with Paradise Lost. We said we were going to connect this with Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve being compliments and negations of each other. Right. And in the end of Paradise Lost, and I feel as though we didn't emphasize it as well as I would have liked. Um, you're <laughs> laughing because I emphasized everything overly. But the point that Eve and Adam make to each other at the end of Paradise Lost is that only together hand in hand, can they effectively face the world together and reproduce paradise? Mm -hmm. Because paradise, in that sense, isn't lost. Yeah, but we learn... It's what we make of it. Right. And we learn throughout Paradise Lost, as Milton talks about Adam and Eve, about their compliments. Yes. How they complement each other. Right. And that has been true in my life at a level I cannot even begin to express. It's like I lived 50 years without you. I was married, and that relationship was what it was, but it was not paradise. And the reason it wasn't paradise is that I couldn't really walk hand in hand with that partner in the way that I can with you. You are compliment. my compliment. Right. I understand that. You reveal to me the things that I miss. You are strong where I am weak. You help me see in the mirror my failures, and it's my same, inadequacies, it's and not make me feel around. bad about them. Mm -hmm. Help me see them and then rely on you in a way that allows me to be stronger and to perform my role as a man adequately. Right. right. And you allow me to be a woman. Yeah. And that's the most beautiful thing 
I've ever experienced anywhere yeah. in my life. Yeah. And somehow or other, we've lost it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk about, you know, well, what we've well, talked about since the lost, very beginning. We've talked about marriage and, yeah. and, and what it was meant to be. But we've, from the beginning of our relationship, almost talked about it as paradise regained. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it really has. It's been like a new Eden. That's why we have tattooed on our hands. I have tattooed Jenny, my Eve, and you have Jenny, John, John, my, John Adam. my Adam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than wedding bands. Right. And that reality has, I think, enabled us to see things in the Bible, in the Western world, in life itself, in a way that is, I think, novel for mm-hmm. most people in our world today, yeah. in which marriage is almost a contest of wills. <laughs> Instead of a compliment. We talked about the concentric circles Mm -hmm. where marriage is center. Right. And then family comes. Or even kids come second. Right. And then from there comes. The extended family. And then then eventually the Christian brothers and sisters. Right. And the church even is out from that, I think, in God's view. And I think the center is the husband and the wife. The husband and the wife. And I think when we get it right. Mm-hmm. That is as close as we get on earth to paradise. Right, right. And I think Milton understood that. Mm-hmm. that yeah, Milton expresses it, wow, more clearly than any Christian writer I've ever seen. I wonder what was going on in his time with marriage and and all of that. Well, that interestingly, made him want to write that. Interestingly enough, Milton was an advocate for divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's one of the things he's known for historically. An advocacy for divorce, and I'm not sure I can follow him on that point. Yeah, but, but I wonder what the, the I wonder of, what the changes in that was going on at that time that he was he wanted to stress the marriage relationship. He did for sure. Yeah, and I think he found great value in his marriages. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, I think the one the first his first one was somewhat problematic as I remember it. Yeah, but the companionship that he found in his marriage, I think, was incredible and beautiful and something that he valued almost transcendent value in his own life right right okay so let's tie up some loose ends you have a lot of notes (laughs) a lot of it we've talked about i have extensive notes through the entire story you have extensive notes on everything right there are 20 chapters in Uh this and i worked my way through it meticulously you did and commented on all of the various parts you do everything meticulously in the training of photogen chapter four of the story it says this and now the witch's care was that the child should not know darkness persistently she trained him until at last he never slept during the day and never woke during the night And this is Photogen. And this is Photogen, yes. Mm -hmm. So the witch is training him to know only light. light. And part of the point here is that Nycteris, who Mm -hmm. is supposed to be the opposite of Photogen, would know darkness. Right. But she doesn't know darkness because darkness is not knowable. Mm -hmm. Darkness is actually the negation of knowledge. Just like sin is the darkening of God's goodness. Sin has no, excuse me, evil has no reality in itself. It is, as we learned in Paradise Lost, merely parasitic on the goodness of God. Darkness, likewise, is simply the absence of light. And light is that which allows us to know anything. Nycteris is wise because she's able to maximize the little light that she's given. Watho has given her a very dim light Mm -hmm. because almost by concession, she has to in order to allow Nycteris to live at all. But she doesn't realize that Nycteris, because she's been deprived of light, is able to grasp hold of the light that she has and maximize it to know and understand the world, the goodness around her. And therefore, she learns to read and understand things Mm -hmm. that Watho apparently would not have allowed her to understand and know had she been able to properly control and understand, truly understand her own experimental process. 
And I would say that science does this all the time. It thinks it can control things. But what we don't know, and what scientists don't know, is far more extensive than what they do. And maybe Watho came at it with a preconceived notion. Right, which science does all the time. Right. You can't help it. Right. We as human beings have to bring the knowledge that we think we have to any situation and plug it in. Right. And that's what Watho did. Right. But Watho was not able to properly control all the variables of her experience because she was dealing with reality like Photogen would, just as these isolated elements. And she and, disregarded the darkness. Right. And so she disregarded the little bit of light that Nycteris had. No, no. I mean, she disregarded darkness as something that's, you know, not worthy. Yeah, but so, darkness is something. But I, she didn't think it was as important as the light. Watho, I'm talking about. Right. Well, she, I think and she wanted to. She didn't realize that there was something in darkness. There's something very. There's a lot in darkness. There's um. There's meaning in darkness. There's beauty in darkness that Nycteris found. She yeah, but it wasn't that. in darkness that she found it. It was an extremely low light. I understand what you're saying. So it's I'm always saying, the light that reveals it. Yeah, but Dark. I'm saying Watho disregarded it. She thought that darkness, no matter what, it's not. Right. No, I, I know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I guess what we're struggling with there is that Watho herself wasn't able to understand the distinction between light and darkness. Right. Right. Um, that, yeah. Yeah. And she thought that by simply reducing the light, she was banishing Nycteris to darkness right. when she wasn't. Right. Because any light, and, and McDonald makes this point, any light leads you to more light. Right. Right. And this is the point of the firefly. He said, even after Nycteris tumbled out of her tomb into the world, the firefly led her. The light led her to a new place. And when that light went out, even that, the cessation of the light, was something that led her to more light. Mm -hmm. And that was an important point. So light itself is always something that leads us to more light. And this is emblematic of what we talked about in terms of Nycteris and her use of logic to understand what she doesn't understand by analogy with what she does. And MacDonald, in several places, makes the point that even though Nycteris, based on what she does know, assumes things about what she doesn't know, and oftentimes gets it a little bit wrong, it's not that it's wrong, it's that she has more to learn, and it leads her to greater knowledge, greater light. So the reasoning process itself is exactly that, taking what light you have and using it to move you to the next level. Point the higher reality beyond the immediate knowledge that you already have. And that, I think, is what was lacking, for the most part, in Photogen. He never allowed himself to move outside of what was given. And that was the failure, the fatal failure for Watho. But he did, though. How? He did, because remember, he finally comes to himself and realizes that Nycteris is weakened by the sun. Yes, but I'm not sure that's by himself. I think that's because He's forced to do it because he's seeing Nycteris. But you're right. I think he's reasoning there, and he's reasoning in the right way. But that's new for him, I think, at that time. I think he's already starting to incorporate Nycteris's understanding of things there. And, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe the broader point there is something that MacDonald himself didn't see clearly yet about the nature of the scientific enterprise that's become much more clear in our own day. If you remember, we've just started listening to that video by Ian McGilchrist that talks about the distinction between the two sides of the brain, right brain right. and left brain. And in many ways, I think this story maps onto what McGilchrist is talking about, right brain and left brain between the two. Right. And we'll, we'll post that as something that people can go to in our description for this video. Right. And I forget where else I was going to go after that. Anything? Okay, so maybe we should end it for this week because we have a lot of disagreements here. <laughs> we turned off the video, or excuse me, we audio. turned off the audio, 
And we ended up having a half an hour, 45 minute talk on how one sided my view of this story by George MacDonald was. And I think I've gotten more insight in those 45 minutes than I did in reading the whole thing myself for hours and hours. So it will be interesting to see whether or not Jenny can, and I can process this into another discussion for next week. <laughs> You're so funny. Okay. So, okay, so that's it for this week. And the link to read The Day Boy and Night Girl is in the description. But if you don't have time to read it and would like to listen to it, John does a wonderful job reading it on our YouTube channel, which is also in the description. It won't be on our podcast quite yet because that won't be coming till like a couple months from now. You'll yeah. be posting it. But I have posted it on YouTube already. And next Monday on The Christian Atheist, we'll be playing the first of a three-part interview with Paul Xiongochong. Okay. John. Host of the podcast, What Do You Mean God Speaks? And it was the first interview that you conducted. Ever did, yes. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking about branching out into having chats with other people. Thinking um, maybe it might be worthwhile to do that. We've avoided that to this point, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe well, you we can avoided some... You avoided the idea of interviewing people. Right. Because you weren't sure if you were able to do that. But I said, maybe you should have chats with people. Right. And then each person come with Just questions talk. or, you know, topics and have talks together mm -hmm. instead. Yeah. So if you're interested in knowing more about the Christian Atheist, why not check out the, the link in, to John's book in the description? Through the Looking Glass, the Implosion of an Atheist Professor's Worldview. And as always, if you if you are able, why not buy us a cup of coffee? Um, there's a link to that in the description as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. We appreciate you so much. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you all next week. I love you, my dear. I love you, John. <laughs> I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian. <laughs>